Hey everybody, welcome. We're uh, glad that you're taking some time to, to join us as we explore a little bit more deeply around um, some of Mary's words in Luke 1, 46 through 55. Um, I wanted to press into the idea that we kind of ended with in our sermon on Sunday. And it's this idea that all is grace. And I think that might be something that, that some folks may struggle with wrapping their mind around. Because here's why. In the church, we recognize freely and readily that we need grace for salvation. But I think a lot of times after that, we kind of put grace up on the shelf and let it sit there. So I know that I'm saved by grace through faith. But transformation is my job. And the idea that all is grace um, presses us towards that place of transformation really isn't my job. It's something I participate in, but it's not my job. And that goes back to the idea of what Paul said, that, that he who began a good work in you is faithful and he'll see it through to the end. So he began it and he'll see it through. Now, um, the question becomes, am I willing to participate with him as he sees the work through? He began it, yes, in salvation, grace, uh, by faith, I've been saved. And that's the beginning of that work. But the seeing through is the part where we tend to get our hands in there and sometimes maybe mess things up. So I want to give you an analogy, a, a metaphor maybe. If I um, <clears throat> begin to have an appendicitis attack right now, my job would be to get to the hospital. Once I got there, my job's over. If I tried to help the doctors resolve that, if I tried to uh, convince the surgeon to let me administer the anesthesia or to make the incision or to remove the inflamed appendix, things would go horribly wrong. Now, the operation is happening on me, but it's at the mercy, the will of someone who is outside of me, who can see what I need without that, that distortion of me having to look at myself. And, and that's what I meant yesterday when I said that, you know, God sees us as we can be and as we are. So, so I don't need to see me as I am. I need to let God see that. And then I also need to allow God to have a vision of me that may not necessarily be my vision. It goes back to that quote from William Willimon, basically that said, God gives us, gives us gifts that we didn't know we needed to transform us into people that we don't necessarily want to be. That is what all is grace means. God knows what I need even when I won't acknowledge it. But what he knows I need is the things that will move me towards his image, the things that are necessary to transform me. And so think about it. Very simple, probably overly simple example. If God knows that what I need to be transformed into the image of Christ is to be a more patient person, then he's probably okay with me sitting in traffic. I may not be, and that's a gift. The gift of traffic then becomes the idea that it is transforming me, giving me opportunity to learn to be more patient. It's a complete oversimplification, but I hope you see the point in it. All is grace when I realize that God is doing things in me with all things, 
whatever's happening in my life, God is efficient and he's using that to do something in me, whether I recognize what he's doing or not, whether I want him to do it or not. So my submission becomes a baseline that I live out of. Sometimes it's moment-by-moment submission. Sometimes, honestly, I can look at it and say, God, I see what you're doing here, but I don't want that right now. So I'm going to push back against that. Sometimes it's a submission that is a um, subconscious, underneath-it-all type of submission where God is always at work, but I don't know exactly what he's doing, so I just accept it and live into it. That's what all his grace means. All his grace means that God is doing something in me through every circumstance and through every person I encounter. I don't have to fall for the old um, spiritualist mentality of being able to name what it is God is doing. So I get in a car accident, I lose my car, I have to walk. I don't have to come up with the reason God allowed that to happen. That's actually a pretty immature thought, honestly, in the, in the mentality of transformation. The highest place in the mentality of transformation is, God, do what you will to make of me what you will make, and I don't need to even know what that is. That's a very different mindset than one that we tend to have of, I need to be able to understand what God's doing and explain it to others. Um, we see that a lot, honestly, in tragedy. And what ends up happening is well-meaning, good-hearted people say hurtful things because we're trying to help the person who's experiencing a tragedy find some spiritual handle they can cling to in that tragedy. And we have to go back to the simple idea that God's thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. So I'm, when I submit, I'm actually submitting to the fact that he will do what he will do the way he will do it. Oftentimes we get the, I'm going to submit to what you're doing, God, but only to the degree that you explain it to me so that I understand, or that you explain it after the fact so that I can know that something's happened. That's not true submission, and with that mentality, we can never live in that place where all is grace. So think of it this way. You have a child. You want to teach them to, to pour milk into a cup. They get this big pitcher that has a gallon of milk in it and they get this glass and they start to spill it and then they they have a mess on their hands i heard a story one time of a guy who's taught his kids to pour milk by taking the pitcher filling it with water taking them out in the backyard giving them a cup and letting them try letting them fail repeatedly because he didn't have to worry about cleaning up water in the backyard in essence what I'm saying is I think God does that with us. He allows us to try things and fail at things to the degree that he can recover them and repair them. He can clean them up, so to speak. Well, he's God, so he can clean up everything. So he has no problem with our failings. Our job then becomes to say, in my failings, God, this is what I wanted to manifest. It didn't manifest. This is what I wanted to learn. This is what I wanted to become. It didn't. But what did you do in my failings? What did you show me? What did you open me up to in my failings? And when that happens, my failings, my trials, my difficulties all become grace. 
because everything is moving me in the direction God would have me go. I think we have to grasp this as believers if we're ever going to live into what James invited us to live into. That simple saying of consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials. Why would James tell us to consider it joy when we face trials? Because we can consider it joy when we face trials, when we realize that those trials are being used by God for what we talked about in Romans 8, 28 in our sermon. For our good, because we love God and have been called to His purpose. So, once I get to that place where I recognize that the all things that's happening is every circumstance. If God is sovereign, then everything falls into that all things category. And all things work together for the good. What is the good? Closer relationship with God. Once I realize that, then whatever comes in my life, whether I would call it good or bad, hard or easy, joyful or sorrowful, is something that is one of those all things that is working for my good. Again, which is growing closer to God, growing more into the image of Christ. That's what makes all things grace. Now, here's the dirty little secret with grace. I need grace to be saved, yes, but I also need grace to see all things as grace. I can't do it on my own. So what we do in those moments where we say, Lord, I don't see you in this. I don't know how you could use this. I don't know how you could work in this. This seems like evil to me, not good. What we have to accept is that God's grace is sufficient to overcome even those things. Therefore, when those things happen, they're grace. Now, grace is always moving us deeper into God, more into the image of Christ. So we have to adopt the attitude that when I look at everything in my world, it's an act of grace on God's part because He's doing something that moves me closer to Him. So I'll, I'll give you a brief little story. We, Doreen's car had engine trouble. Finally, the engine died. The car is not old enough to have a dead engine. Um, a, uh, a dealership messed something up with an oil change, and over time, it, it's gotten to the point where the car's engine is now deceased. So we have to get a new engine in this car. Um, in all of that, the mentality that she and I had, yes, we were scared and we were nervous and we didn't want to spend money on this and all and on, on and on and on. But here's the grace that we found in that. The grace was that we got a chance to live out something we have always said. And it's this. If you have problems money can solve, you don't have problems. God, by His grace, gave us an opportunity to live in this saying that we have had in our house for years. And you know what? There wasn't panic. There was disappointment, a little bit of frustration, but there wasn't anything that pushed us off the rails. When we begin to live in a place where all is grace, we hold everything very loosely. We begin, we begin, we begin to realize that what I need is God. And therefore, what I don't have, I don't need. And if God chooses to bring that, then He's bringing Himself into our lives. If He chooses to take it, then He's taking away things that keep us from Him. But He's always at work. 
That's what all is grace means. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we've got it all figured out because honestly, a blown engine in a car, a lot of times is more easy, is easier for me to handle than a restaurant messing up my order. So don't think that I'm saying that we've reached this place. But in certain things, God's grace shows up, reminds us that we should look at all things with grace. So I may find that God's grace that I'm actually seeking in a big issue guides me and helps leads me into it. But when I don't seek it in the small issue, like the person at Walmart taking forever to check out, then I drift off the rails and it becomes about me again. So, so that's the point of all is grace. First thing we do is we look and say, God, are you sovereign still? Yes, you are. Are you good? Yes, you are. Therefore, what is happening in my life, you will use to draw me deeper to yourself if I will just participate. Back to the appendicitis. Me participating in God's grace, in essence, is me going to the hospital when it doesn't feel right. It's the same thing. When we have reactions or thoughts or beliefs that we don't like, that are troubling to us because of circumstances, I get myself to the emergency room by simply going to God and saying, God, this is what's in me right now. I know your grace is working. I want to participate. Let me lie down on this table in the operating room for my soul and let you do a work in me. So in order for all things to be grace, we can't just make a decision. We have to make a decision, but it doesn't end there. We have to actually examine ourselves, our attitudes, our beliefs, our frustrations. We have to look at the things that trouble us, that make us unhappy and go, God, if all is grace, then you have to be operating in this. So I'm going to consciously choose to trust that. Whether you choose to explain it to me or not, I'm going to trust that your grace is at work in this circumstance. I'm not even going to lie to you and say, oh yeah, this is really an easy thing to grasp. Just hang on to it and life will be perfect. Oftentimes, when we try to do this, we find just how hard life is. Because we will discover <laughs> that in the things we can't control, the big things, like a blown engine on a car, I'm very willing to hand those over to God because there's nothing I can do about it. But in the small things, like the person who's frustrating in my life, or the, the traffic that gets in my way of where I'm going, or the boss who won't recognize the things that are in me that I feel like he should be praising and, and promoting me over, or the spouse who just doesn't seem to get me or doesn't seem connected to me, or the kids who just won't listen to what I say. Those places are hard to let go of and realize that all is grace even in those things. I know this is hard stuff to probably wrap our brains around. I'm not asking you to do anything tangible with this at the moment. I would just love for you to kind of chew on it as a thought, have some discussion around it in your group, come together as a community and, and ask the questions that need to be asked. Share the moments where you don't feel like it's all grace, where you feel like it's actually torture, not grace. Talk about those things together. Help each other see the past instances where you felt overwhelmed or as if you weren't basking in the glow of grace, but, you know, dancing on the treadmill of performance and, and recount those things. Have conversation with trusted friends, an apprentice or a mentor 
who can say, hey, let's look at the outcome of that. Though. Let's find the good that God worked in these past situations, in this all things that you didn't want or didn't like. What if that's the pattern of our lives? You know, we may not solve all the world's problems. We may not never get angry again. We may, you know, not ever um, find joy that persists in all circumstances, but we will be growing by God's grace. There's a great saying by Dallas Willard, and it's this. Christians should consume grace the way a 747 consumes fuel on takeoff. Here's his point. I cannot live as if all is grace apart from God's grace being supplied to me in every moment. So there's a starting point. If I start with what's, what's the grace in this moment? Ah, it's the fact that I just drew a breath. By God's grace, my lungs were filled, my heart pumped. So let me start there. And as we begin to look at the world and see that all is grace, we begin to realize that we consume more and more grace than we ever thought. That's when we're beginning to become the kind of people who can hold anything that happens, who can stand in whatever storms come and praise God in all of that. Not with the, the shallow, hollow praise of the person who finds some spiritual justification for some horrific event but we become the kind of people who praise God without the need to justify anything and make it spiritual. We simply do what Job did and reach the conclusion, God, you are God and I am not. Though you slay me, I will trust you more. That's the outcome of living as if all is grace. I hope that's helpful. I hope it it brings some things to light, maybe not resolution, but at least some points of conversation, stuff to think about. But um, I think the starting point is to realize that God's grace is active in all things. Therefore, what he's doing is drawing me deeper into himself, which is a good thing. So have a great time in your groups. Have some great conversation. Be open, honest with each other. Hey, I want to remind you too, as you guys are talking in your groups, look around. Who's that person who can mentor you? Who's that person that can be your apprentice? Let me pray for you. Father, we're so grateful that your grace is the kind of thing that we don't have to be aware of and it's still there. We don't have to name it. We don't have to identify it. We don't have to discover it. We don't have to be able to categorize it. We don't have to be able to explain it. We can just live in it. And because of that, everything is grace. And so we just ask that your grace overflows every facet of our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, our minds. But God, I also ask that your grace fills every room where there's conversations happening around this lesson. And that in your grace, people begin to see that person who can walk with them on their spiritual journey. And that person that they can walk with on that person's spiritual journey. All of us growing closer to you by growing closer to each other. Finding that in that relationship, in those connections, we're strengthened as one body with Christ as the head. And we just ask all this in His name. Amen. Have a great time of conversation.